Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome into another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. As always, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, you can follow us at BuzzBeatPod and find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I am Richie Randall, and I'll be joined by Brian today. Brian, anything new in your life? How's, that, how's everything going, man? Things are good. ACC basketball uh, in full swing, which has been wild. I was at the Duke-Florida State game Monday night in Durham, uh, which was pretty awesome. Not not like the cleanest of games, but Duke and Florida State are as, as, as athletic as teams will come in college hoops, um, certainly in the ACC, and loaded in terms of prospects. So cool to see Devin Vassell up close uh, going against Duke in what was a, a really fun and competitive game. But yeah, things are, things are nuts. I'm excited for the All-Star break to come up just because it'll be like a week without there needing to be like Hornets games to be watched. And I can just sort of focus in on college hoops for a little bit. That'll be nice. How about yourself, Richie? Not a whole lot. Uh, it's kind of picking up uh, in school, getting closer and closer to the end of the school year. And uh, the kids seem to be getting uh, a little bit looser, uh, but they got to kind of rein it back in as we get closer to the end of the school year. But yeah, I do like this all-star break. It gives us a little bit break from the Hornets and the Hornets obviously get a break as well. They have one more game left prior to the all-star break. On today's episode, we're going to quickly recap the Detroit Pistons game from Monday night, uh, but we're going to spend most of our time on the buyout situation with Marvin Williams and MKG, and we're also hoping to get Rod Boone on here for maybe five, ten minutes of his time to kind of get his insight as well. Again, Rod Boone of The Athletic should be on here in the later half of this episode, but first, it's time for our betonline.ag listener question of the week. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. So let's just jump right into this. The listener question of the week presented by BetOnline. This question comes from that man Fran on Twitter. He says, let's say we get a top three pick. Which player is the best fit for us? And then does Devontae Graham coming back down to earth change our needs at all and I, i'm going to first address the the latter part of this question first about Devonte graham that's the part that i probably feel a little bit more comfortable talking about in terms of draft prospects in the top three or five i'll let that go over to you brian so Devonte graham first 30 games of the season he was shooting 41 percent from behind the arc last 23 games he is shooting close to 34%, and he was even, I think, one of nine against Detroit on Monday night. Teams definitely have keyed in on him, but also I've noticed a little bit that he's kind of a little bit hesitant and shy sometimes, opening, you know, passing up an open look. 
uh, second-guessing himself at times. And I know that confidence definitely plays a role with some of these younger players, and it wanes. It waxes and wanes over the course of a season, and I'm sure that's not helping him not seeing the ball go through the hoop. Again, he's still producing in the assist department, and his assists have gone up slightly, actually, in those last 23 games in his slump. But he's a player that's just got to improve all aspects of his game, and he cannot rely strictly on that that three-point shot because, as you've seen, it has dipped this season towards the, the last 20 games or so. And I, I will say he's slowly improving his floater game, too. Uh, that will have to be an asset moving forward the, you know, in this season, but also in future seasons to come if, if he even wants to be considered a, a starting point guard in this league because when teams start to run him off the line, he's got to have an in-between game. Um, having said that, Brian, we always talk about this when it comes to the draft, the best player available. I, I don't think that, you know, maybe Devontae Graham coming back down to earth should really change our mindset heading into the draft all that much. I think the evaluation of the draft prospects is simple. You know, you target the best player and you kind of worry about some of the needs later. Uh, and it, it may, maybe if, if there's a point guard that the Hornets do rate highly, then they'll target that player, regardless of whether or not they feel that Devontae Graham is being shafted here. So, BG, I'll, I'll let you kind of address the prospect situation as well in terms of who you would target uh, with that top three pick. I have not done enough research on that, but you can go ahead and kind of answer this question in terms of how maybe Devontae Graham affects our draft needs. No, I think it's best. Pl- it should be best player available no matter what. And I think um, there are some big guards at the top of the draft too, where um, even if you really wanted to have Devontae penciled into the long-term future of the team, even knowing that he, he's a second round pick, he sort of come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, he's still been very good offensively, but he's regressed in terms of three point shot, not a very good defender. And that he's a, he's a little bit older too. Like we love Devonte. Devonte's proved himself to be a very good player too, but I don't think he necessarily has to be in your long-term picture for the Hornets. Um, he is, and luckily he is a good off ball player too. And so I think even if you found, um, you know, even if you found a, a, a point guard that had the capability of guarding a two um, or, or, a, or bigger wings or bigger guards, then you're going to sort of satisfy that need. You can play those two guys together. Like you're sort of seeing that with, with Rozier, although, uh, you know, I'm thinking obviously a younger player with a, with a higher ceiling than mm-hmm. Terry Rozier mm-hmm. and, and Rozier is obviously sort of limited as a primary initiator. Um, and he's been far more, he's been just been better off the catch, but yeah, I mean, if you could have Devante's proved himself to be a good pick and roll guy, but if you could slap up another pick and roll initiator next to him and have another guy that could also space out and hit shots. Like I think if anything, Devante gives you a little bit of flexibility, which is, um, is actually kind of nice. And it's not, it, I felt like heading into this draft for, for Charlotte before the season started, there was so much pressure to get a guard. You had to get a guard. You got to get a guard. Um, even though you're thinking best player available. And, and I still think that's probably, you know, where they're most interested in, in looking in terms of positionally. But I think because Graham has hit at least a certain level in his second year in the league, albeit he's older for a second year guy, I think it's, it's taken some of the pressure off that a little bit. And if, um, you know, if they had, it depends. Like if they end up in the, like the, you know, the five through 10 range, you know, the, I, I think there are wings like Devin Vassell out of Florida state, you know, not a guard, you know, a, a wing um, and Isaac Okoro. I mean, those are probably the two best defensive prospects um, in terms of wing defenders that you have at the top of the draft. Vassell has been 
I mean, he's been just phenomenal this year. Um, is it a monster three and D prospect, a monster help defender, um, has unlocked so much stuff in Florida State switching defense. I mean, I don't think those are going to be the guys, but Vassell and Okoro, I think, fit really would fit. Vassell especially would fit with Bridges and with um, and, and PJ, and I think Okoro could too if the fit's not maybe not quite as clean. Okoro's a really good passer, and it's just a monster defender one-on-one as well too. Um, if you're thinking guards, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with it. I, I still We talked about Anthony Edwards a while ago. I still think he kind of can kind of make sense on this roster. Although I, I think his, um, some of his stock is like prospect one is maybe slipped a little bit. And I think Cole Anthony, despite his struggles, he really had trouble with decision-making against Duke and then three games since he's come back, his shot has really once again struggled. He's shooting below 41% at the rim this season, which is, which is troublesome, but I mean, he's made some plays. The Florida State game was pretty bloody in terms of numbers, but like he he had like four or five just phenomenal passes and guys couldn't even couldn't finish the shot or finish the play or whatever and he's proven to be a good rebounder, a good has some pull-up shooting utility from the mid-range and from the three um, in the floater area on the court, he's been a little bit better as opposed to right at the rim. And yeah, I still think you can't totally write off Cole as a possibility and a guy that would fit maybe not cleanly with Devonte, but if you're looking for, you know, top guard prospects, he's certainly going to be the top of anyone's list. As far as the international guys go, like I just have not unfortunately seen enough Killian Hayes, um, RJ Hampton, um, and some of these other guys from Europe, I have not seen enough of them yet to completely weigh in on those guys. I do think if they were also again drafting sort of like, you know, six through 10, I think, or, or maybe even later in the lottery, I think Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that would fit well with this roster and fit now fit nicely next to Devante. So, you know, some of these guys are more combo guards than primary guys, but with Graham there, I think that's, that's okay. So I don't know. Uh, that was sort of rambly, but those are the guys <laughs> that, uh, and, I, and I guess the one other person that has been that I failed to mention as far as international guys go would be LaMelo Ball, too. And he sort of seems to be gathering steam as perhaps the number one prospect and, and the guy that you could potentially run the offense through, too. So I need to see more Hayes. I need to watch more LaMelo. Um, I need to see more R.J. Hampton. But as far as the domestic, the the, you know, the college prospects go, those are the the five or six names I threw out there, the guys that I, that I like a lot. And I think all of them would fit – on this roster. I like Obi Toppin a lot too. And again, I, this is the one time maybe where, because I think Toppin is a four in the NBA and, and I think PJ's his best position at the four, two, you know, maybe there's a little bit of overlap and bridges is sort of there too. So I Toppin's the one really well thought of prospect who I like a lot, who is the one guy that would sort of challenge the, the, the best player available narrative in, in my opinion. But yeah. There you have it. I mean, long story short here, that man, Fran, I don't think Devontae Graham's play towards the last 25 games or so is going to really change uh, the outlook of this draft. And I think that's kind of how, you know, most GMs kind of view this thing. It's always best player available and you try to fit in those players as you can moving forward. But thank you again for submitting that question and being a part of the betonline.ag listener question of the week. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, let's quickly just highlight 
the Detroit game. I think at this point, Brian, like any game that you watch now, it's it's basically the same game. You're playing these younger guys. You're seeing this youth movement with Caleb and Cody Martin playing more. You got Jalen McDaniels who was brought up. He's starting to see more minutes and more consistent minutes. Monk, you know, I, I know that he's played this season, but it feels like he's more a part of this team the last handful of games. So the Hornets did win against the Detroit Pistons. That, that's a shocker, right? We won, what, 10 straight? against this team 87 76 it's 11 now oh, I 11 have, i think the hornets okay. have won 11 over wow. detroit now after the the win on monday and this was the first wire to wire win for the hornets if i'm not mistaken on the season uh they did not trail against the pistons uh the pistons team you just look at that that roster without canard and, and drummond who is traded to the cleveland cavaliers and just some of the players that they trotted out there just it was just Kind of crazy and, and, and sad to kind of look at that roster. Not to say that we are in a better situation, but we clearly came out with the victory here. So I don't have a lot of takeaways from this game. And like I said, moving forward, it's more about the player development and the rotation <clears throat> of these youth players. I will say this, and I tweeted this out on Monday. Miles Bridges, after his slow start to the season, he really has turned it around in the last 10 to 15 games. And what you're seeing a lot of with James Borrego is trying to put him in situations that are going to maximize his strengths and eliminate some of his weaknesses. And one of his weaknesses, as we've always talked about, is his playmaking and his driving ability off the dribble. He's improved, but his handle is not as tight. So when he's trying to drive, especially amongst defenders, he often loses the ball. So what they've been doing early in the games is to get this cross screen action to get Miles Bridges a look on the block. The first play of the game, early post up for Miles. It was a design play. Like I said, it eliminates the dribble, uh, allows him to go over either shoulder, which actually to me, he's more comfortable going over that left shoulder and shooting with his right hand on that kind of hook push shot that he does. So Miles Bridges, I, I do want to give a shout out to him because I know that we are very hard on him to start this season, but he's been the best player in the last 15 games or so. So Brian, any takeaways from this Charlotte victory over Detroit? I mean, first off, the Pistons are just so bad. I mean, talk about I mean, they've had a lot, a lot of things have happened to the roster, Griffin's injury, Drummond being traded, but it's wild to see a team that came into the season with what they believe to be serious playoff aspirations for the second straight year. And they're just, the roster is, uh, it's frankly, it's, it's pretty depressing. I mean, Mark, I mean, Markeith Morris, uh, Reggie Jackson, Brandon Knight, uh, John Henson, just like the, the, the island of, of, of misfit toys. Um, yeah, it was it was tough to watch. It felt like, you know, it, Charlotte could have, at some other points of the season, could have won that game by a lot last night, um, or Monday night, I should say. Um, but still, fairly, fairly easy victory for them. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been nice to see them try to play the young guys a lot. I mean, I, I know that's probably frustrating at times for James Borrego, but clearly that was something that they were going to move to even before the buyouts with Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Last three games, four, last two games, pardon me, 14 minutes with P.J. Washington, uh, McDaniels, and Bridges on the court together in those 14 minutes. Charlotte's minus six, 12 of, four, 12 of 24 shooting, one of nine on threes. Yeah, it's really small of a sample. But uh, I think there's been – it's been cool to see some minutes with P.J. as the small ball five, with Miles as the four. I mean, I don't think that's – like long-term how the, the franchise envisions those two together but clearly if those guys if the if if pj and miles are going to be playing together for the next half dozen 10 years whatever 
you're going to see a lot of minutes with those two at the four and five too, even though that's not going to be the baseline, you know, you're going right. to see that you're going to see them at the three and four and some staggering and, you know, you move miles around a little bit, but yeah. So it's, I want to see more, I'd like to see more of those reps. I think that's a good thing, especially if you can work monk into those lamps as much as possible. That's a good thing. You're Devante into those lamps as much as possible, just to see what you have. The rest of the season is a, is a laboratory for, for trying stuff out and seeing what works and tinkering and moving stuff around and moving pieces around. And yes, you're right. I think miles has been pretty darn good the last dozen or so games. Uh, the post game has been nice. Uh, I think defensively, He's had sort of like less miscues, right. perhaps just right. by my by the by just less obvious ones, just obvious ones in, in my opinion. I thought in I thought against Detroit, they let for the first time in a little while they let PJ um, handle like one of those little like pick and slip situations where he was the ball handler. I think it was Monk that slipped out on it. Um, he missed the layup at the rim. And they got to another little fake DHO move with uh, with PJ that I thought was nice. Like I'd like to see more of those. It's sort of been something I've been hoping to see for a while now. And in the game uh, against Dallas over the weekend, um, I thought they did a nice job with these sort of like with a smaller lineup, putting PJ on the on the weak side, the wide side of the court, Monk on that side as well too, and then either having PJ pinned down for Monk or like leveraging the threat of that, like the alley-oop slam that Malik had against Dallas was like, he faked coming off a pin down from PJ. He slipped back door and hit the guy. I think Graham hit him with the lob. And then a couple of plays later, he curled around for a score. All right, let's take a break real quick. Have you guys ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untuck it the original button-down shirt designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size, no matter your shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. Plus, their website is just so easy to use. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit Untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, let's transition from the Pistons game to the buyout situations here. Uh, the deadline came and went, and then Marvin Williams, MKG, were not traded. And a couple days after, they both were bought out. Marvin went to the Bucks. MKG officially went to the Dallas Mavericks. These were the teams, especially MKG to Dallas, that we were hearing that were rumored with them. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to Jeff uh, Seigel or Siegel on Twitter. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Really, really good follow when it comes to salary cap information. He said on his Twitter that Marvin's buyout is about a million dollars less than his actual salary, and MKG's is about $800,000 less than his actual salary. So just think of it this way. Marvin still counts towards the Hornets' books, but he's going to be getting paid less. And I asked him, is it, is it like at one lump sum, or is he still getting paid throughout the course of the season? And he did say that that Marvin will still be getting paid from the Hornets every two weeks. 
and uh, it's just going to be less money coming to him, but he will make that up with his new salary with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Hornets do have room under the tax, and they, they do have the mid-level exception that they could use. They could use all of it, and they still wouldn't exceed the tax. So I know that that's probably not what they're going to go for, but last season, uh, the Miami Heat did uh, wave McCruder, and I think he ended up with the Clippers, I believe, and that did open up a roster spot, and they signed Kendrick Nunn off of the Golden State's G League affiliate, uh, the Santa Cruz Warriors. So the Hornets could go that route if they wanted to sign somebody off a G League roster and use some of that mid-level exception to sign them to a multi-year deal, or they could just kind of play out the rest of the season with some of their young players. But I do think it's good for Marvin, good for the Bucks. I'm not sure how much MKG is going to propel Dallas. I know that they're having defensive issues, but Marvin on the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm very happy for him, Brian. And I think the Milwaukee is going to appreciate him as a teammate and as a player. And I really do, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bucks to win it all this season. And they already had a good shot before Marvin even joined this team. Yeah, he's a perfect fit for them. I think he would have done been a nice fit in Houston too. Although they're going so all in on on wings that perhaps you could say if Marvin doesn't have it in him, switch one through five, then then he doesn't actually fit. But I just think he would have given him a little size and another spot up guy. He's a perfect fit for Milwaukee. Fits well next to Giannis. Fits well next to Middleton. He can help you play small or big, however you want to mean. Giannis is really the guy that unlocks all of that stuff. But you know, could fit with Middleton and Brooks, or pardon me with Middleton and Brooke Lopez if Giannis was on the bench and he's an upgrade uh, over Ilyasova and he basically gets to play the role that Miritich did for them last season as you know he and Ilyasova sort of held the stretch this sort of like stretch four stretch four and a half mantle for Milwaukee the last you know season and a half or so but I think he's a great fit he can post switches shooting 53% on post-ups this season so that he's functional in the playoffs because he can defend a couple positions he can shoot and he can post mismatches on switches so again you like all of those that versatility um you know he does nothing but help maybe just maybe just raise your ceiling a little bit more that might be enough to swing a playoff series and if it's enough to swing a series and it's enough to win a championship so i'm thrilled for marvin i can't wait to see kind of i'm not that's maybe slightly hyperbolic but i'm very interested to see what michael king gilchrist looks like in a, uh, a different uniform, just in terms of how, how he plays, how he functions. We've only known him in this one system. His entire, not Obviously, there have been multiple coaches. He's played different systems. But um, I'm curious to see what he looks like next to Luca. what he looks like with, uh, with a guy like Carlisle pulling the strings. I think there's some interesting stuff that, uh, that he could potentially fit in, even though they have a, a guy like Finney Smith or you know, another guy in the wing like DeLon Wright, maybe soaking up some of those minutes. So we'll see where he fits in, but perhaps he helps give them a little bit of defensive insurance. And yeah, MKG Marvin, they gave back exactly the minimum salary they'll earn from Dallas and Milwaukee. Uh, Marvin will be on the books for a little over $14 million now for Charlotte and uh, MKG will be a little about 12.2 million on the books for uh, Charlotte. You know, look, I think this is fine. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, maybe it, it matters in ways where you can't even see ROI, you know, in terms of other veterans see this, other potential free agents see this, other agents see this. And, and I'm, I'm told to believe that all that stuff matters too. So, um, you know, I think even if you're just trying to do right by your veterans, there maybe are some downstream benefits that you could get as well too. They're just not you, they're hard to measure, and you certainly can't see them immediately. You just see two veterans walking out the door for nothing in return. And yeah. so I can see how 
I can certainly see how some people might be frustrated by that. Um, Spencer, if, just, if, if Spencer was yeah. on this podcast, he probably put some blame on the front office for not attempting a trade. But you know, I think he's very passionate about this, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure that the Hornets didn't try to trade these players. Hell, the the guy that uh, Dallas released so that they could sign Michael Kigogris. Uh, Ryan Brokoff. Um, I mean, he's older. I think he's 29 or 30, but he's a good three-point shooter. Like this is this is an opportunity for you guys to for the for the roster to find some guys, find some G League players, and, and see what you have with uh, with McDaniel's and with the Martin twins. And uh, it's not going to look pretty most nights, but it's um, it's a learning course for them. And in my opinion. This still beats the hell out of being two and a half games out of the eight seed and desperately, you know what I mean, desperately just trying to win at all costs so you can get in and get get skunked by the Bucks in the first round too. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's okay that they're going to go into the offseason with, with cap space and with an eye on making savvy trades and with some good young players in the pipeline. I do think the, the rising stars angle is like a little played up, like, you know, Miles making it over Matisse Thibel is like a bit of a stretch, but regardless, and there's some other guys that can maybe claim they got snubbed, but I think they're in okay shape. You just saw, we just saw the Pistons the other night. That's a franchise that's in um, a state of disarray right now. And I think the Hornets at least have a direction and they have some Mm -hmm, leadership mm -hmm. and they have a culture and all of that is good stuff going forward. Well, well, they entered the season thinking that they could be a six, seven, eight seed, and and it's not working out for the Pistons. And yeah. speaking of the Pistons, you saw what the Pistons got for Drummond. So, if that's the case for Drummond, who would have known what the return would have been for Marvin? Right. Now, that is an interesting thing, though, with Drummond. Though, I mean, like you, you can you can look around and say, well, hey, if the price was so low for this guy, you know, more why weren't more teams, including Charlotte, uh, sniffing around? But um, I, I think that that makes some logical sense, but um, but but I'm I'm still I think it's fine that that Charlotte um, took a step back and just played it safe at the deadline. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that this could potentially do again, we're not gaining any draft assets, but again, we're not gaining any long term salary. But they could turn around and be a salary dumping ground next season, and maybe gain even bigger draft assets with the draft is a little bit stronger or a lot of bit stronger in the following season. It's set up twenty the twenty twenty one draft is set up to be good, um, and so that that's that's an advantage for Charlotte. And let's also remember too that in the last week. You know, Atlanta took on salary. Memphis took on salary. Like, the Hornets could potentially be one of those. Like, there aren't going to be but so many teams that have cap space, and the Hornets could perhaps benefit from some of these other uh, dumping ground teams seeing some of that space uh, evaporate recently. All right. As promised, we have Rod Boone of The Athletic on here to get his thoughts on the buyout situation and the youth movement of the Hornets moving forward. Just want to let you guys know that this, with this appearance, Rod, you have officially made it on our podcast more than any other guest. So how, how does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel incredible, man. I'm, I'm a mayor by young. I had no idea. No clue. Yeah, this, this marks the third time for you. Any other guest has maxed out at number two. So quick question about the buyout situation in the, in the trade deadline. Did you get any info or hear any rumblings from the team that they were actually trying to trade Marvin Williams or maybe MKG? Or was the plan along to, to buy these guys out and to get them some playing time on some contenders? I mean, honestly, they've been trying to trade these guys for a while. Uh, since Kutcher came on board, you know, a couple of years ago, like any other GM who, who tries to remake the team in his own image or whatever you want to call it, he had to kind of 
make some inquiries. And he's been inquiring around the league for a while about these guys. But as most of us have known for a, a while, the value for Marvin Williams and MKG and a Bismarck Biombo and a Cody Zeller, those guys, is not really high because they make a lot of money and the returns they're giving for the production they're putting out is not something that the average GM wants to bring back unless he absolutely has to. So you look at Marvin getting bought out, MKG getting bought out, it's something you probably expected to come this point in the year because when you try to trade guys and you can't move them and they're better than players who won't be around next year, the only real thing to do logically is let them go and let them chase whatever they're trying to chase a playoff spot something. But for Marvin and MKG to not be around anymore, I'm not surprised because they've been trying to move those guys for a while. Hey, Rod, this is Brian. So the Hornets, obviously, we just discussed, they didn't move either anyone at the deadline. They, they, they stood pat, which I think makes sense for a, a couple couple different reasons here. But with Hornets not taking on any extra long-term salary at the deadline, with the salary cap expected to go up to about, I think, $109 million for next season as well, too. But anyways, the Hornets should have a little under $23 million in cap space. Not quite enough for a max salary slot, at least certainly not at the 25% level. Come July 1, do you expect the Hornets to be players in free agency? If so, what ways do you think they'll try to do that? Or will they try to roll with this cap space and try to function as a place where teams could, adapt, could dump bad salary in exchange for uh, picks and stuff like that, assets? I think it's probably more of the latter because, as we know, this free agent class this year is probably one of the weakest ones we've had in some time. Yeah. So when you have cap space, obviously you want to improve your team, but you don't want to improve your team just to just throw money at somebody who could be a B or C-level free agent because, as we know from the Hornets, it's kind of the trouble they're in right now being essentially capped out for the last couple of years. You want to be able to manage your cap the right way and bring in players who you know is going to bring them in long-term, find the long-term deals. Make sure that the players who fit what you're trying to do here. And I don't see anybody out there right now that excites you that you want to bring in long-term and pay a lot of money. So with that being the case, the more ideal scenario is, as you said, to perhaps be a place where teams, usually it's like a third team in a, in a trade, where you're mm-hmm. trying to move players, and in order to move a certain player, they must either give you a bad contract or something to kind of help facilitate the deal so therefore they can actually make the trade the way they want to. So I can see the Hornets for sure being a player like that, like the Hawks were this past couple yeah. of weeks here, where you saw teams trade players to them, whether it was the Rockets, whether it was the Clippers, just trade somebody to actually just get up their books and just be waived. So and these are Hornets. You want to use your money smartly uh, because it took you a long time to get just this little bit of cap space that you have. And if you want to be a player next offseason, when it's in, in 20, what, 2021, essentially, when a lot of free agents will be mm-hmm. on the board, like that you may want to pluck off there if, at a max contract level, then you have to make sure you manage your cap the right way this offseason. So I can't seem to do anything exorbitant, but I can definitely see him going out there, trade for somebody to bring in either a, a bad contract, per se, to actually get off the books in a year or two, or bring in somebody who 
you can use a change of scenery, meaning like, you know, you have a big salary somewhere else. They aren't working out where, they, where they're at, but you bring them on board here and hope that your change of scenery, your play development system will actually help these guys be players for you long term. Yeah, I mean, I think this free agent class is not one to write home about. The only player out there that I think is maybe worth throwing a lot of money at, it might be Brandon Ingram, but uh, we don't have that much space to kind of throw that max deal towards him. But Hornets, last question for you, Rod. They've been playing a whole lot younger with players like Cody and Caleb Martin. Uh, You have McDaniels, who was just brought up. Obviously, you have Bridges and Monk and P.J. Washington, who have been playing uh, pretty much the whole season, but it just seems like they're going for this youth movement. And I know that J.B. acknowledges that player development is top priority, but you also kind of have to wonder how much of the losing does have a toll on this team so that there's a, a balance there, trying to trying to produce and win and, and play your best basketball, but also develop the players. So I know you kind of mentioned this in one of your more recent articles, but what what is the top priority move? Moving forward for the rest of this season, in just terms of the team development, the, the top priority remains player development. Uh, I know it's something that the average fan doesn't want to hear. You want to hear that they're concerned about wins and losses, but they're looking long term here. They're looking to build these players up. Um, you know, first year players, second year players, third year players. These guys who can be a young core for them. They feel by giving them the opportunity to play now, to put them out there in the fire, take these bullets, take these hits, um, and try to win these games, um, you know, without veterans around to help them out, they feel that this will only help them in the years to come. And as you can see, it, it has been a productive year for them in terms of getting the younger players to be what maybe you thought they can be. I mean, Devontae Graham, Nobody thought he can be playing the way he's playing this year. I mean, to have three players going to the Rising Stars game this weekend, it's kind of almost unheard of, Mm -hmm. um, especially for a team like the Hornets. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's working. Now it's about the next step. And these next two months here are important because, like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of losing, man. They have to play like the Clippers, the Lakers, um, you know, the Rockets, they have a lot of things they have to still play. The, the Bucks at home on the road. And it's going to be a tough two months here. Maybe they'll get, you know, five to seven more wins overall. But I probably can't see more than that. So when you look at it from that perspective, losing will take a toll on anybody. But these guys are still having fun, you know. They're not having fun losing, per se. Yeah. But they're having mm-hmm. fun of being around each other. They're having fun trying to develop, trying to... Um, be there for each other, like trying to be uh, leaders now with Marvin Williams gone. So you can see the progress. It's just like anything else. It's more about just making sure that their mental psyche is good for the next couple of months here because if they can just be okay come April or so when you can look toward the offseason and start preparing for next year and trying to retool this roster, I think everybody will be – more, uh, you know, in, in, in a better place morale-wise. But for right now, guys are still upbeat. Mm-hmm. So they, they still feel like this is the way they have to go to get to where they want to get to. So I definitely think that if they keep going the way they're going right now, they'll be fine. It's just, again, more about making sure as young players you don't lose them mentally because if you do that, it's hard to get them back. 
Yeah, it's funny when you draft players out of Kentucky and Kansas and some of these national powerhouses that, that Hornets seem to draft from, they're not used to losing. And they're coming into a situation where they're having to, there's a player development piece here where winning is not top priority. But thanks again, Rod. Uh, we do appreciate your uh, eight minutes here on BuzzBeat. Uh, and again, we always thank you for your time. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to another BuzzBeat. The Hornets will play one more time before the All-Star break against the T-Wolves, who, according to Ryan Saunders, have a record of 1-1. One and one. Uh, So, for Brian, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time, and enjoy the All-Star break. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.